Hi there, this is Kristen Brown with the Happy Hour Effect. Episode number five is all about the work-life balance myth. Dun, dun, dun. Kristen Brown here with the Happy Hour Effect. We are kicking off episode number five this week with a conversation on the work-life balance myth. For those of you that have listened to me at speaking events or read my book, you know that the word balance is a curse word for me. Because when you hear the word balance, you have this faulty image that everything should fit just perfectly and nicely tied up in a little bow into either the work bucket or the life bucket. 50-50, balance it out, it works out all nicely and perfectly. Then when things don't work out like that, when you're not feeling balanced, when things aren't fitting into one or the other, you start to feel like a failure. You start to feel like, man, why can't I make this happen? Why can't I fit everything in? Why isn't this working? And when that happens, it just contributes to the stress that we're already feeling with today's world being stretched so thin. Time is at a premium. We have technology and work and family and personal stuff all bombarding us all the time. And when you think about it, when you think about all of those things that we juggle, it's a lot different from back in the caveman days when our stress response evolved, right? So you think back to Mr. Caveman And all he really had to deal with was hunting and gathering and survival. He'd leave the cave and he'd have to maybe deal with a saber-toothed tiger or bad weather or cold weather or dinosaurs. I don't know. Did cavemen live at the same time as the dinosaurs? You're asking the wrong person. But they had just a few things they had to deal with. And they were truly life-preserving and life-threatening things that either brought them stress, made them happy, or had them be at a state of what's called homeostasis, where your body and your brain and everything are just at a nice, calm level, normal functioning. When they would see something that would set them off, a saber-toothed tiger, bad weather, then the fight-or-flight response would kick in. Their brain would perceive something as a threat to their existence and would kick off a whole host of things in their body. Stress chemicals would flood, their heart rate would go up, their blood pressure would go up, they would start breathing heavier, they would start to sweat, preparing them to fight that threat to their existence, whether it was a saber-toothed tiger, whether it was preparing for a long, cold winter. Those were true stressors. That is the very, the very heart and the beginning of that fight-or-flight stress response in human beings. And when you fast forward to today, you know, a few million years later, that response is identical. Whether there's a saber-toothed tiger around, which is never because they don't exist anymore, or whether there is a minor stress that isn't truly a threat to our existence, like traffic, like a bad day at work, like having a fight with our spouse. Yes, those things are stressful, but they aren't life-threatening, but yet we're allowing them to push us over the edge and that stress response is kicking off in us. And when that happens, because it's happening so often, we always have those stress chemicals circulating in us all the time at low levels. In the short term, the stress response is amazingly wonderful, protective, and great because it prompts us to say, hey, something's wrong and you have to fix it to get back to your normal state. But when we let the stress response build up and up and up and we're not doing things to either minimize or get rid of stress 
or we're always feeling that pressure and those stress chemicals are circulating at low levels all the time, that is when bad stuff starts to happen. And I'll tell you why. When you're stressed out at low levels all the time, those stress chemicals circulate all the way down to your very cells. And when that happens, your cells get damaged in the process. And there is a lot of research out there from the leading research institutions in the world that show the connection, the direct link between that damage happening to our cells, which is called silent inflammation, and the leading causes of death, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, stroke, directly related, not to mention just the everyday inconveniences that stress can bring to us, that's being sick more often, having a short temper, bad mood, insomnia, fatigue, all of those annoying things that happen to us when we're stressed out. And that is why, for me, one of my biggest passions and how I really started the happy hour effect was about how to manage stress more effectively. For those of you that have listened to earlier episodes, you know that I was widowed seven years ago. My husband was 30 years old. He was a tall, skinny, former college athlete. He'd just had a physical and been given a clean bill of health. And he died of a heart attack in his sleep the morning after my sister's wedding. You can imagine the absolute shock and stress that that caused in my life. And then just a couple weeks later, the whole economy thing happened. I got a new boss at work. And so I had professional stress happening at the exact same time. So between those two things, that 50-50 work-life balance... It wasn't happening. I'm telling you, there was. it was impossible for me to fit everything that I had going on in my life into one of those buckets. And I had a 10-month-old baby at the time that I was raising. My daughter was just an infant, and she required as much of me as, as I could give. And so figuring out how to juggle all of that was very stressful. And that is where I learned that balance is a myth. It's impossible. We're setting an impossible standard for us to reach. So I've developed some thinking that really shifts that balance mindset and shifting it to what I call the maestro mindset. What that means is you are taking all of the things in your life, just like the conductor of an orchestra or a maestro takes all of the instruments that he's dealing with at any given time, and he decides what instruments or what section of instruments take priority at any given moment? What takes center stage? What's soloing? How fast are they playing? How are they all working together? And he controls all of that as the maestro and the conductor of this orchestra. You have to have that same maestro mindset with your life, deciding, okay, I've got all of this. Here's what I have to juggle. Now, what needs to take center stage right now? What needs to take priority? It doesn't mean everything else quits playing. It's still playing on in the background, all equally as important, sometimes more important than what's, than what's currently taking center stage. But you're deciding, as that conductor of your life, what you need to prioritize from moment to moment to moment. It's going to change with every breath you take because our environment, the things coming at us, the, the demands on our time and on our energy change every moment. So you really have to be aware of what you have going on in your life every single day so that you can make the best decisions. Just like a conductor, a maestro has sheet music, you need a map like that as well. And I have something like that called the life map. And this life map is the basis of my best-selling book, The Happy Hour Effect, 12 Secrets to Minimize Stress and Maximize Life. You can get that on Amazon. I'll also put it on the show notes page, so don't forget to go over there and check all of that out. Some other free resources there as well. But this life map becomes 
your guide so that you know what you're dealing with. You know what you have to juggle. You know all of the things that are demanding your energy, your time, your money, your resources, so that you can better decide and prioritize what's going to rise to the top of your list at any given moment. Today, I want to give you just a couple of ideas on how you can start to get away from this balance myth and really start to get re-engaged with your life and with controlling the elements within it. Because it's up to you. You know, so many of us sit back and we kind of let life happen to us where we have some control and some inspiration in us that can make us say, hey, you know what, I'm going to control this. I'm going to be the one that decides what happens next. The first one that I want to share, the first little tip to really embrace this maestro mindset and how you can really start to take control of your life again is to understand and know those things that set you off into a stress rant. (laughs) And what I mean by that is understanding your stress cues. Now in the Happy Hour Effect book, the life map walks you through that and I'm happy to explain it further if the book doesn't work for you. But In identifying your stress cues, it's really being aware of those things that cause you anxiety, those situations that you know are going to set you off into a bad mood, those different people that might put you in a place where you're not feeling as good about yourself as you could. And understanding that those things are coming up, that you may be entering into that situation and saying, okay, what can I do to prepare myself mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually So that when you enter that stressful situation, you're better armed with the tools you need to weather those stresses when they inevitably come along. Okay, so that's number one is knowing your stress cues. The second is to look at all of the things that you juggle. A lot of things that fill up your time are often de-energizing. It means those are things that make you think, ugh, I don't want to go, or you're driving there and you're just dreading going somewhere. Those things that you just don't want to do, but you feel like you have to. And looking at those things, those de-energizers and saying, okay, is this something that contributes to my health, happiness, or safety? Does it contribute to my family's health, happiness, or safety? And if it doesn't, If you're doing it because someone else is expecting you to, if you're doing it because it feels like everyone else is doing it, so you better too, if it's something you're doing that maybe is unhealthy, but you're doing it anyway, maybe a bad habit or something like that, think about how you can reduce, eliminate, or delegate some of those things. I'll give you an example. So for me, and I've given this example before, when I've done speeches. But I am an introvert, an extreme introvert. And if you ask me to do any type of selling or anything like that, I clam up and I go into my little hidey hole in my brain and I'm like, nope, I'm not doing it. So when I've been asked to help with raffles and things like that for my daughter's school, I'm happy to contribute 20 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever. But I'm just not one of those people that's going to go out and sell wrapping paper. I'm not going to go and solicit my neighbors to go buy the latest cookie dough fundraiser gift pack. I'm just not. That doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean that I don't support my daughter's school. It just means that's not something that I feel will energize me, that will serve me best. And it really won't serve that committee very well because I won't do a very good job at it. I could commit to it and I would just totally suck at it because I wouldn't sell anything. So why would I spend my energy there and get them excited about someone helping out when it's not really benefiting either of us? So that's an example of something that I have decided not to commit to. It's not something that I'm going to put on my to-do list. 
sure, someone else maybe asks and mo- other moms expect it and, you know, say, hey, you know, you, why aren't you doing this? But for me, it's not something that fits with my lifestyle and my needs. Another thing is house chores, cleaning, things like that. And so many people say they don't have the time, they hate cleaning, they hate chores. I always ask them first, what can you do to delegate, eliminate, or reduce? Oftentimes they can delegate and get help from a spouse or from kids. Oftentimes they can hire someone to help. (laughs) And that's one thing I have never understood is why you do not hire a housekeeper. They are not that expensive. No matter how tight money gets, that is an expense that I will always incur because it saves me so much time. It allows me to have more time to spend with my daughter, to do things with people that I enjoy, and to do things like this. I would rather be hanging out with you or going to the park with my daughter than cleaning my house. I'm sorry, that's just the reality. And I'm willing to pay someone 50 bucks to come into my house and clean. And I know in different markets of the country, it can be more expensive, less expensive. I know it really varies. But there are people out there that that is their job, and they will come in and do a good job for you and save you so much time. So in that case, that's eliminating a stressor, a de-energizer. You can also reduce. You know, a lot of people say, okay, Saturday morning, that's cleaning time. Well, does it have to be every, every Saturday? Maybe it's every other Saturday that you're deciding, you know what, okay, every other Saturday we're going to do like more of a deep clean. And then maybe for 15 minutes we're just going to do a quick pickup on the other Saturday so that it doesn't become so monopolizing of your time. So always think about those things that de-energize you, that stress you out. Reduce, eliminate, or delegate. And really use those criteria to help you make better decisions. The third thing I want to share with you today is to add in more stress cures. You know how I mentioned the stress cues before, the things that set you off? Well, there are also things that help us feel relaxed, that help us de-stress, right? I call those the stress cures. Those are the things that make you insanely happy. They bring you massive joy. They completely calm you down. You have to understand what your stress cures are and when they're going to be the most beneficial in your life. And the time that the stress cure is going to be the most beneficial is when you're in a situation with a stress cue, right? So say you know that every time you walk into work, there's that one person that sets you off. Sets you off, makes you crabby, makes you cranky, makes you stressed out. That means that when that situation is about to happen, before you even walk in the door, you have to have a plan for a stress cure that will be positioned strategically to balance out, not work-life balance, but balance out that stress cue, okay? And for everyone, the stress cures are different. For some people, for me personally, I love to meditate for a couple minutes, just some deep breaths, quieting of the mind. I know that sounds a little, how do you quiet your mind? It takes practice, but for me, that works. I love to go for a little quick walk outside. I love to go surf the internet for a few minutes. I love to have something really yummy to eat. I love to go get my nails done. I love to go to get a massage. You know, there are lots of things that you can do, and it's going to be different for every single person listening and for every single member of your family and friends as to what that cure is going to be. You need to be sure that you build in those stress cures, that me time, those times when you re-energize, those times you do your very favorite hobbies when life is at its most stressful. People always say, well, when my life is the most stressful, I don't have time to do all that stuff that I love. That's a major shift that you need to work on. You must build in time for your stress cures 
when your stress cues are at their highest. You must, even if it's only for a minute or two. People always laugh when I give this tip, but if you have to, take longer bathroom breaks. You go to the bathroom a few times a day, right? That is a time for you. Go slower. Don't run to the bathroom. Go slower. Take your time walking there. Calm down. Sit there for a little bit longer. No one needs to know what you're doing in there. Bring a magazine in. Just use that time for yourself to reflect, to calm down, to recenter, to refocus, to really say, is my day going how I want it to go? Is my life going how I want it to go? Am I working on my goals? And if you can do that and get into that habit, that several moments a day that you're spending on yourself, helping you reduce stress to manage that work-life load that we're all juggling and to help you take back control of your time. All right, so those are three ways that you can start to minimize stress, maximize life, and really get back to a place where work-life balance is no longer such a curse word. Get back to a place where you're embracing the maestro mindset. Get back to a place where you're feeling like your goals are taking front and center, where what you want to have happen for you and your loved ones is taking precedent over what other people are expecting of you. It's really, really important. And this is really especially important for my entrepreneur friends because when you own your own business or you're starting your own business or you're even thinking about your own business, it monopolizes your time because it's your livelihood on the line. Every effort that you put in is returned to you tenfold. You know that it's up to you to bring in that next client. It's up to you to come up with that next big idea to bring in your next paycheck. It's up to you to make your business grow, to become more feasible, to become a long-term entity that's not going to go out of business in a year or two or three. It's really important for my entrepreneur listeners to embrace this mindset of knowing what sets you off, knowing your stress cures, knowing what de-energizes you because your time is stretched so much thinner. You've got your brain always on overdrive and that can of course be a very good thing but it also drains your body so you need to learn how to re-energize your body physically make sure you're getting enough sleep that you're taking the time to hang out with your friends and your family that you're eating healthfully that you're exercising you know you're doing all of that stuff to keep your body strong so that you can really weather that mental output and keep your, your brain strong at the same time so there you go there is today's little inspiration on the work-life balance myth how you can spin it, how you can make it work better for you. And if you want the life map, I will include a downloadable of the life map right on the show notes page. So be sure you just go over to there, happyhoureffect.com. Click on podcasts, and this is episode five, and you'll be able to find all of the resources I've mentioned, the book link, as well as this downloadable life map right there for you. I hope that you really enjoyed today's show. If you want to hear more from the Happy Hour Effect and you want to get more episodes, just go and subscribe to the show, of course. Leave us a five-star review and share us with your friends. We'd much, much appreciate it. And, of course, if you want to hang out with us regularly, go on over to Facebook or to the website, and you can link up with us at all of your favorite social media watering holes. So I'm Kristen Brown with the Happy Hour Effect. We'll see you next time.